thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to The Healthy Exception with your host, Rachel Favilla. Hello, lovely ones, and welcome to The Healthy Exception, the podcast for teenagers choosing to be the healthy exception to the unhealthy rule. I'm your host, Rachel Favilla, and thank you so much for trusting me with your time and your ears today and for tuning in. And today on the podcast, we're talking all about anorexia and eating disorders, and Mum's my co-host. Hi, everyone. I'm back. Good to have you back. It's great to be here. (laughs) Lovely. Thanks. Well, we don't want to take up too much of your time today, and our aim is to have this podcast all done and dusted in 35, 40 minutes so that you can get all the little take-homes and then move on with your day and, you know, feel empowered, not have to, like, listen to this podcast in sessions because I'm aware that sometimes (laughs) the second session never happens and you just delete the download. You're like, I'll just wait for the next one. Hopefully it'll be shorter. Maybe. And so now I'm a little bit I'm a bit self-conscious about length now. So anyway, we are just gonna jump straight in. Okay. Sound good? Yes, it sounds good. Okay, beautiful. So um because we've already done a bit of a session, haven't we? About no, not an anorexia. No, not really. Like you sort of go, that was an eating disorder episode, but it wasn't really because it was we did the episode after we did the just eat real food episode, which was I don't even know. It was like before the tenth episode. It was one of the okay. the noughties, um, in <laughs> number. Um, that we thought, oh, we better do one about you know the fact that um, there's a new eating disorder, putting that in quotation marks, um, called orthorexia nervosa, where they say, well, the experts oh, go, it's an unhealthy right. obsession with healthy eating, and we wanted to put it in after the Jerf episode to go. That's right. Just because you actually care about the quality of your food and you want to eat n- nutrient dense foods and you don't want to eat processed foods that's not an eating disorder okay. it's looking after yourself right and it's not a mental illness regardless of what some that's right now you know, I remember yeah so that's we're good talking for me about. yep okay. yeah so, so it's this, this, this is this is this is a new topic disorder. yeah this okay. yeah this is a new topic and we wanted to talk about it because it's something that we've both been through personally because I had anorexia or I don't know. You see, when I've talked about my story before, I've always said, oh, well, I got misdiagnosed with anorexia. And I mm. always thought of it as a misdiagnosis. And I still do to a degree. And that's what we're going to talk about today because I didn't have just the typical, I looked in the mirror, I thought I was fat, so I starved myself sort of thing. Mine was more about malabsorption and um side effects from medication, depleting me of nutrition and yeah, underlying health issues. Underlying health issues <laughs> that gave me a lot of symptoms of anorexia. Mm. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, did I have it? I had a lot of the symptoms. So if we want to say I had it, I probably did. But it's about breaking that stereotype and going just because you've got the symptoms of something so you fit into a diagnostic box, mm. it doesn't mean that all the stereotypical root causes actually were the cause of your illness. Yeah. And we want to sort of break that down. Yeah, that's And because we've both been through it and we didn't understand what was going on with me and it led to a whole lot of treatments that really they made me sicker than I was it's taken me years I'm still coming back from the side effects of the treatments that there and it took us ages to rebuild our relationship yeah and from all the stress and tension that was a big one goes yeah Yeah. absolutely um so 
to start off, um, I think often when we hear the word anorexia, we think of that typical cartoon picture that you see on Google Images and any article that's written about anorexia of the thin girl looking in the mirror and seeing a fat girl. She's like in her undies and... Or a thin boy looking in the mirror. Sorry, or a thin boy. boy. Sorry, I'm saying stereotypical. <laughs> Usually it's girls, but of course boys go through this yeah. too and it's not just teenagers, it's be children unfortunately it can be mm. older adults it can be anyone um but stereotypically we okay. do think of the young teenage girl because that seems to be the demographic that suffer from it the most but it definitely mm. can affect anyone um you know we even we're so desensitized now to the word anorexia or anorexic that it's almost become an adjective and someone instead of someone being thin we go oh they're mm, they're anorexic that's a good point yeah. you know greyhounds look anorexic because of their you know rib cages and yeah. you know all of that so it's just, yeah, that's what we think. We always think of thin and fear of gaining weight. And in the actual fact, it's often far more complex than this. And we often think of anorexia as a mental illness and it's treated, it's all in the mind. It's just mm. their thoughts are distorted, their mind's distorted. It's really got nothing to do with the rest of the body apart from the fact that they're malnourished and that really thin. their mind thin. is distorting the body and that's why they look so thin because they've, they've, it's been caused from a mental point of view. Yeah, yep. whereas really anorexia is usually physical in nature. The physical comes first and that affects the mental when we flip it on its head. And when we can understand that, I think that would be the very first step to breaking the stereotype, breaking the stigma Mm. around it. Um, You know, because there is stigma around it. A lot of people don't get treat, seek treatment. I mean, I think A, because the treatment itself is pretty brutal, mm. um, but B, because they don't want to say that, oh, yeah, I have anorexia or I think I have an eating disorder because mm. as, soon, as soon as you say that, all the negative connotations, well, of course there's negative connotations, mm. it's an illness, but all those connotations and judgments about you've done this to yourself, you've starved yourself, you're crazy, just eat a cheeseburger mm. sort of come there. Whereas, you know, you think about things like depression, anxiety that in the past, again, were like, People were like, oh, you're crazy, you're a nutter. And now it's very much more accepted. We have that empathy and that understanding and so more people are able to stand up and go, yeah, I suffer from this. Um, but it also seems to be considered to be a lifelong sentence, whereas what we want to do today, again, with the healthy exception, is to say <laughs> nothing, there aren't a lot of things that have to be a lifelong sentence. No, and that's, I think, really empowering. Or something, mm. you're, This is going to be something you struggle with for the, for the rest of your life. Yeah. You have to keep your tabs on and we're going, well, no, if we can understand that it's, it's a physical illness, just in the same way cancer is a physical illness or an autoimmune disease is a physical illness or anemia is, to a degree, a physical illness. We don't judge someone for being anemic. Mm. We don't judge someone for having... Hashimoto's thyroiditis or celiac disease, we just go, wow. Or poor vision. Or poor vision. Yeah, we don't. No. We just As go, I was that's actually wearing my glasses. You're not judging me. I know. Okay. Not at all. You look very stylish in your glasses. <laughs> More intelligent, do you think? Always. Okay, yeah, thank yeah. you. Um, yeah, so I think that's the first thing. Understanding that anorexia is a physical illness. Um, so now these terms I've just come up with, I don't think they're actual psychological terms. It's just the way that. I look at it and I'm going to describe it. So I look, did look at the DSM five, didn't you? Before yeah, we started I started this, but okay. Yeah. So so you're basing it on actual information, is what I'm saying. Oh yeah, I am. Yeah. I'm just categorising things. Yeah. Um, for the ease of this podcast. That's it. Yeah. So I sort of see that anorexia can be primary in nature, meaning that the root cause was body image based, which is the one that the media always talks about, you know, with it being yeah. like, oh, they just wanted to be thin. Um, 
And it's usually often quite innocent. It's not someone trying to, I don't think anyone tries to get an eating disorder. It's usually, mm-hmm. you know, maybe you look in the mirror and you feel a bit podgy or you're comparing yourself to those around you. You know, you're the um, heftiest sibling or the heftier cousin or in your friendship group, you're the heaviest or whatever. And you're like, I just want to lose a cheeky, you know, two, five kilos. It'll be fine. But you, you know, you're not educated. You don't know how to lose weight healthfully. And often people just, instead of doing entire lifestyle overhaul, they'll, you know, over-exercise, not they'll under eat they'll, and they'll start to become malnourished and that starts to change their physical body. They might develop gastrointestinal problems. They'll become nutrient deficient and that can affect the brain and the hormones. And then from there, instead of it just being like they're in control and they are just trying to get healthy, it's often spirals out of control and that's how, and then they can't even see themselves for who they are anymore and every, their life becomes obsessive and small. So all the things that usually would you know, like I think because we, we all have fat days, mm. but what's the difference between me having a fat day but still eating dinner because it's like I need to nourish myself versus someone going, I'm not going to eat dinner because I'm fat. Mm. Um, that it's so it depends how deep rooted the concerns were in the first place. So if they were really unhappy about the way they were looking, then sometimes like losing some weight can be a real like positive because it's like I'm actually taking yeah, control of absolutely. Life. It's like where, where does it tip over? And generally, yeah. it's where it becomes your whole. It becomes obsessive. It becomes your whole life, and you start to lose other areas of your life that would normally pull you back. So yeah. even you know, I think we all can all get a bit obsessive about things every so often. But it's when your life becomes really narrow, and then you get depression and anxiety, and that perpetuates. And then instead you, of it being like a healthy control, it's, it's an, an over control. Yeah, and you can't. You almost can't stop because you're, it's like you're on a mouse wheel yeah, and you can't get off the mouse yeah. wheel. You're just running and running and running in circles and yeah. you're getting sicker and sicker. And the sicker and sicker you get, the more malnourished you get. And so the less rational you are. And at the same time, you're probably realizing, you do probably start to realize to an extent that you're sick, but you can't stop and you don't really want to stop because that's the mode you're in. And that's sort of your yeah. primary anorexia. But as you can see, by the time it even if it was primary and it was body image based in nature, you can see that because of the effects of the unhealthy weight loss, it mm. starts to actually almost become a secondary secondary thing to gut dysbiosis or to mm. neurotransmitter, you know, neurotransmitters not being produced properly and that depression yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, or you can have anorexia that's secondary or tertiary, meaning that there were two or there was um, before the anorexia came a different illness. So in my case, there was an autoimmune disease that was depleting me of all of my nutrition. That we didn't know about. That we didn't know about. Um, Mm. Or it could be that you have depression and therefore you lose your appetite and therefore you're not eating eating as much and over time that becomes malnutrition and you lose a lot of weight. It could be um, intestinal permeability, you stop absorbing stuff and then that leads to malnutrition. You could maybe spend too much time indoors and you're vitamin D deficient. That can lead to depression. Mm. So that would be your tertiary, your vitamin D deficient. That's one. Depression, number two. Anorexia, three, because of the low appetite. Like There's all of those sorts mm. of things. And as you can see, they all sort of lead back to the same thing. They can mess with your appetite. They can mess with your food intake. And they can mess, they can with, mess your with your mind, absorption. And then as soon as you're malnourished, it can mess with the mind and we never know like not everyone that becomes malnourished gets anorexia sometimes they just 
not mm. just get, but sometimes they'll get depression or they'll get generalized anxiety or or just continued poor health. Just continued poor health. They'll yeah. be really susceptible to infection. So you know, there's probably there's probably a genetic link as well. Like versus mm, you know be. who's going to get the eating disorder, who's going to get the depression, who's going to get both, who's yeah. all of that. Um, yeah, so I think that's a good way to introduce it. Go saying it's a it's physical complex, illness. It's it? very complex. There's a lot of layers. You can't just – it's not just a dot point thing. It's sort of very multifaceted. But I think that opening this up for discussion is all mm. we want to do today. Like we do on every episode, we're never saying this is the way it is. Necessarily no. we're going, let's just talk about this and break down the walls so that – It's not as scary because it's not – you're not saying, right, once you've got it, that's it. And I think it's, it's – Oh, sorry. No, no, go on. I was going to say it's scary when you go, it's just a mental illness, it's all in the mind. Because mm. I know I was told that it was like, well, I don't think I'm ever going to get over this because no. I, how can I, I can't just switch my thoughts off and go do some meditation or mindfulness and go, oh, well, I'm totally fine now and I'm happy to eat absolutely anything in any quantity <laughs> and I don't even care if I look a bit bloated in that photo. Like, I'll just do some mindful coloring in and it just solved everything. I know. Yeah. It was like, no, my heart's still racing and I've got butterflies everywhere. And the fact that you're telling me I just need to chill mm. and, you know, reframe things, I want to punch you. Yeah. Oh. So, you know, but okay. as soon as I understood it was a physical thing, it was empowering because I could actually do, do something, something about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so where do we start when it comes to being proactive about treating this physical illness or even better, preventing it? Right. Well, I think... Like we said, the best thing you can do is talk about it because there's that stigma there mm. and it's often a taboo thing. It's either, you know, if you have it, you don't want to talk about it. Often family tiptoe around it because they don't want to offend you or they don't really know how to bring it up. Or, or they have brought it up and they've got a really bad, bad reaction. reaction. Um because it's quite personal. Our, what we know about weight stuff is very personal, isn't it? Yeah, it is because it's a part of you and yeah. I think to – like we said, the, the connotations, if some, if you knew maybe you would want to talk, like I think I would have been more open to it if I had been able to say, I don't know, but all I know, mum, is that when I eat really fatty foods, I feel so sick. Mm. Or when I eat like too much bread, I can have a little bit, but if I have too much, I don't go to the toilet for like a week. Mm. Like I, I, know, I know that I'm really thin and stuff, but I can't just eat like three hot crust buns and, you know, ice creams and a massive portion for dinner just to stack the weight on because I can't like it's making and every time I have this stuff it's making me feel worse and mm. you know if I'd been able to say I don't really know exactly what's going on but it's it's I promise it's not me doing this to myself but I didn't really know how to say that because there'd already been speculation by doctors and dietitians of no you've got anorexia mm. and it's sort of shut everything else off it was like everything I said was an ex- was an excuse mm. I, there was nowhere I felt safe to openly talk about how I felt and I felt I'd gotten I'd, I suppose I'd been taught by the feedback I'd gotten not always from you but from other professionals that if I did say how I felt it got knocked back and it was like I was making up an excuse so that I could mm. have a you know have the illness yeah and probably you're right at that point too once, once someone has gone so far down the track, it, it really is hard to have open discussions because as a mother, you're looking at your child who's just, they're hardly there, they're fading away and so there's an element of panic and it's like, we've got to solve this. Whereas, you know, hindsight being a wonderful thing, I think I wish I had 
been more proactive at those first signs when we were still communicating mm. really well and not just ignoring and go, you know, we'll just give it some time. Maybe it's a bit of a different thing, but everyone's different. Everyone grows up differently. Maybe that's, you know, like with different developments, maybe that's just stopped for a while and will come back and mm. – because if we'd been able to do something then or at least if you'd been feeling like you could still share and go, you know, answer my questions, like can we try and sort this out? Like can we yeah. try and analyse it first and be the healthy exception? Yeah, absolutely. We might have chosen different paths to go down and I guess that's what we're That's really what we're trying to out, say, like because it? we don't know who's listening. It could be someone that's in that position right now. Yeah. And if I could stop them going through what we went through absolutely. as a family, like, oh, my goodness, that would be the best thing ever. Yep, it would um, be a gift. Yeah, because I've, I've – sorry, we've got notes. So if it sounds like some things are a bit more formal than others, it's because sometimes we're reading <laughs> off our notes. Because yeah, okay. um, I think, honestly, it got to the point where I – I probably did realize how thin I'd gotten, but I sort of denied if someone brought it up because it was like, I don't want to look into this mm. because, like, I, I know what's going to happen. I'll get put in hospital. I'll get put on a feeding tube. I'll get put. I'll get asked to eat all the breads and the fatty foods that make me feel sick, mm. and I'll be told it's all in my head. Because we had already had some celiac tests done, hadn't we, and you yeah. were told that you weren't celiac. But then there wasn't a – but you might be intolerant to gluten, so no. maybe let's try and take that out. So that it that could have been an inroad for you to go, do you know what, I am being trusted. Yeah. I'm being listened to. So what, I'm not celiac, but, you know, I'm not taking this food out because – I want to be trendy or I want to be celiac. No. It's just like, it's just, whatever reason, it's still not making me feel good. Yeah, absolutely. But because it got shut down, it was like, mm. no, you're fine. It's in your head. You're just trying to get out of eating carbs. It yeah. was, it's like, no, I still eat rice. But anyway, yeah. um, so uh, <laughs> I'm just like, where do I do Because I feel like we cover some things. Sure. Like, you know, yeah. In primary notes. Would you like me to sing a song while you get yourself together or anything? Um, no, that's no, okay. You, that'll hurry you along, won't it? Um, no, I think, sorry, I think we've just covered a lot of like what I've written down here. So, because it's about getting help and yeah. talking about it and yeah. breaking it down, saying it's not all in the head. We've talked about all the sort of root cause. Yeah. Um, I suppose other things that go with it, maybe? Uh, yeah, other things that go with it and looking for those because I think that often we treat it as a separate issue. Mm. We go, oh, okay, you might have this and you might have that. So with me, oh, yes, you've got autoimmune hepatitis, but the anorexia has nothing to do with that. Yes. You've had depression in the past, but it has nothing to do with that. You aren't growing or developing at all. It has nothing to do. It's a separate issue. Mm. And I guess what we want to talk about, again, we don't know who's listening, whether it's a family, whether it's a doctor or a dietitian mm. that goes, I've actually never thought about it like this. I do always just treat it like it's a separate mm, thing. Like to look this. for common links, like do they have – gut dysbiosis so uh, you know is there something disturbing going on in there uh, gut are they like mm. and that's the thing you have to talk about because a lot of people don't want to talk about bodily functions but like are you bloated are you constipated do you have diarrhea do you fart a lot <laughs> you know do you have weird things going on with your blood sugar like not diabetes but like bouts where you'll be like starving and then um you know moody because you just feel like you need sugar or and do you know why sometimes we we don't want to talk about these things because we don't like when you're little it's like all the time like you get like yay you've done a poo it's like all exciting yeah. wow and then slowly it kind of shuts down and at the time that it shuts down 
then you don't know what is like that's the time that you start taking over yeah your own body, for sure going to the toilet by yourself and yada yada mm. so then you don't know that what you're experiencing the rest of the world isn't experiencing so you, you don't know what's no, we normal, normal, no, it's so true. So, so you might go, about. okay, so I only go to the toilet and we're talking, obviously we wee every day, but I, I only take a dump, you know, three, two to three times a week, but mm. then maybe that's just normal for me. And really it's like, no, you should be going at least once a day. Mm. But if you, you've never been told that, then how are you going to know? So you go, oh, I don't know. And when you have an anorexia, you're not, the first question you're asked is not off or when you get, sorry, when you get that diagnosis, mm. whether that's a true diagnosis or not, or whether it's just much. Mask. Then it's that diagnosis masks everything else, and everything else gets swept under the rug. You're yeah. not often asked, "How's your gut function? How's your?" It's even like, "How's your appetite?" It's like, "Well, you have." I would. Oh, that was another thing I wanted to say. Oh, okay. It was always my fault. Mm. I must have starved myself. I must have thrown up. I must have strunk my stomach so much that normal amounts of food, you know. Wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't fit in and when even and that was when you were still constantly like but Rachel like from what I see Rachel eats decent amounts of food like she doesn't seem to starve herself and they'd be like well like you must be missing something. you must be missing something she might or she must be throwing up so you know you might yeah now you, you have to follow her to the toilet every time she goes because there's probably or she could be throwing stuff, stuff out at school like it was always my fault yeah um and I think that's another thing if you feel if when you if the people you could talk to, if you feel like, well, it doesn't matter what I say because I'm going to be told I'm in denial. I'm yeah. going to be told I've done this to myself. If, 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 if I complain that I've got stomach pains from the meal plan that I'm given, you know, they're going to go, well, that, well, you just have to go. I was told you just have to go through this. Yeah, you're That's not, not being compliant. You're right? not being compliant. And I got treated like a mm. naughty school child. I got... And that I was sneaky. Yeah, that's right. And because this doesn't happen overnight, it's a, it happens over a long period of time. So for them to ask you, like they probably don't even think to ask you about your bowel motions because they're going to go, you know, like she's this weight. It's like there's no way that she's going to be having regular bowel motions. So, yeah, because she's starved herself. Yeah. She's not eating enough so, stuff to go so through. So they take from that, whereas yeah. they have been able to like – if they knew that taking a full history was so important and for them to make the family realise, can we move back and go, when did this all start to happen? So that even if we went away mm. and I, we were able to say, so, Rach, when did you first notice this? Because now that you know you should be going mm. to the toilet every day, um, when did you first realise? So you have a chance to actually be empowered yourself mm. and, and actually reflect on all those things that have happened to you with some more knowledge to be able to go, oh, well, it was, a, you know, if you can, because the yeah. more information you can gather, the more power you can gather for yourself to and that's, help others work with you. Yeah, and yeah. it's so important because I think all of these things come out in hindsight. Yeah. And I'm like, well, of course that happened because this happened to me. And, of course, I was going through that and I was on that medication. So, of course, and mm. no wonder I had all these symptoms. Yeah. But at the time we made none of these connections. I sort of thought maybe it could be that but I was like what's the point of even putting it out there mm. to be honest because every time I put anything out there it's my fault I'm in denial I've yeah you know yeah whatever oh, or you know or it'd be like as if that would make a difference you know and we expect the experts mm. to, to have all of that knowledge and to be giving us the amount of knowledge that we need too to also understand our bodies more but that step is often really lacking because you think well you know these Hopefully, as you're listening, you think 
these women sound like they really know what they're on about. Or even if you don't, just go with me for a moment here. And so you go, well, you know, everyone knows what their liver's for, but I'm sorry, but before you had a liver disease, I really... I didn't know. As long as everything in my body and your body kind of worked, it's like I don't really have to know the ins and outs. I knew we had a liver. I knew people got liver transplants. And I knew that if you drank too much, you could do damage to your liver, and that's where my knowledge needed to end. But but that's the thing, isn't it? Because, like... If you, like, yeah, I didn't. Think why would a, why would you go and study up an organ if it's never been a problem yeah, for you? Like, that's I right. mean, I guess this podcast sort of does suggest that you really get to know your body and understand well, how it works, so that you big, can look after it. That's but right. the average person doesn't, and and not yeah. to the level, the extent that you really you needed to know that when no. I think when you've diagnosed with the autoimmune or any sort of disease that has damaged an organ. You need to know as much information as possible so that you can avoid doing any further damage to it and yeah. you can actually start to look after that little organ For and sure. nurture it yourself. Absolutely. You know? And we're not having a go at practitioners because they're just doing the best they can. And we can. But we have got a holistic view that they often can't have because each person that we went to, and this would I'm sure would happen to lots of families, mm. You go for their knowledge, but there isn't someone like a god over the top yeah. going, right, now bring that all to me and you know what? I'm going to give you mm. your full story that you need. You have to be the god who takes it all on and goes, yeah. oh, my God. But, so you know that you can only go back to that person and have that conversation and that person and have that conversation. But if you could have like a multidisciplinary mm. team where someone summarizes it and they all go, Oh my god! And they make the connections. Yeah, and that, that they, join the dots, and that you're empowered with that information. Because I was still doing several, like I was, I was doing heaps of things that was still being. I wasn't drinking, but I was doing heaps of things that were still damaging my liver. Just everyday things like using personal care products that were a bit too toxic, or yeah. you know, using artificial sweeteners because I had braces and I couldn't have sugar. Oh, that's you know, just nice. little simple things like that. That you know. It was the overall scheme of things probably wouldn't have made a huge difference if you if your health had been really good. Yeah, but yeah. It, it wasn't, and yeah. yeah, all of that. And so, um, where were we? Oh, do you know, that? it was really interesting. No, um, because it's about this section here that we were talking about. Yeah, I know, but I was like, oh, on to the next point, point, and then yeah. Sorry. Oh no! Start singing, please. But it's it's about gathering the information to be able to make the have the wider view of things, so that you're not narrowing things down too fast. Because when you narrow things down too fast, it shuts down every door, and a lot of those doors are the communications with your family, and mm. it's your family that is, especially in your teenage years, that is your biggest support. Mm. So I think, like, I don't know where you were quite going with that, but, like, that was the point you were saying, why can't we talk about this? Mm. Because so many things are shut down because there are fast um, conclusions drawn and then you've lost your voice. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point, yeah. 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 So I probably made you lose your voice, but, you know, what? I'll try not to jump no, in that's okay. so often now. Well, I suppose in case people are listening and they're like, but they keep talking about this person has this knowledge, which people are they talking about? Oh, so sorry. Generally, um, I think yeah, we should just yeah, talk about. Good. But we're coming up to that anyway. Okay. So the common approach for an eating disorder is, you know, you get to a certain 
usually it's often again it's left to the last minute till it gets to a point where someone's really scarily thin and then someone especially when it's a minor someone like a parent or take uh, someone like that takes them to their child to or teenager to the doctor they're at a scarily low weight mm. and at a whole risk you know at a risk of getting a whole lot of conditions associated with low weight they get transferred straight to a hospital they get put on bed rest they get put on a feeding tube they start under the care of a dietitian that puts them on a weight gain meal plan it's not necessarily an overly healthy diet it's literally just a fatten them up diet mm. to put it plainly yeah. um, and you're usually you see like a psychologist or a social worker that counts as you really just about eating and desensitizing and from my experience which is all I can talk about mm-hmm. um again everything was shut down and when I'd see the social worker she was treating me like she'd treated all her other anorexia patients and if I brought up something and she didn't really know what to do with it she'd shut it down and go oh but aren't you feeling like this it's okay if you're like everyone with your condition sort of feel and I'd be like no, no, I'm not never. feeling like this. I'm, I, uh, have you ever, have you ever done this? It's okay. Like you can say anything to me here. Have you thrown your lunch out at school? No. Are you sure? It was very much like that. Mm. And if I said to the diet, and then you know, and then so then that was one part of the team. Yeah. But that's all she dealt with. And then the dietitian, like she was such a lovely woman, like yeah. she was so kind. But it was like if I said, I can't, like I feel awful it was sort of like I know you're going to everyone does mm. but you know you just have to do this like because I had a feeding tube going down 24 7 and I had to eat on top of that and this in is order a, to get the feeding tube out in order to get yeah. the feeding tube yeah. out and I already had liver disease so my digestive system didn't work properly anyway no. I and I just and so that made me anxious and depressed and I started getting heart palpitations and yeah. all of that because I was just I was yeah I was anxious about eating because I was never ready for the next meal I hadn't like pooped for days. I hadn't mm. cleared any of the last meal. And it was like, I just ate an hour ago. I'm not ready to have this like fruit drink and no. a muffin and a, and crackers and this. And then you're going to give me a full meal later with dessert. And then I have to have supper later. And then overnight I've still got that feeding tube going in. And then I have to have like three slices of toast for breakfast with milk. And this and this. It's like, so and it's like a normal person would be anxious about that because it just makes you feel sick. And it's I, not an eating disorder. And it heightens the, all the stuff about food. So I know. I didn't do... have anything major. I didn't really think about food that much until I got the, di- oh, the diagnosis, happened. went in hospital, and then yeah. everything was about food because it was like, and it was, it was like how can I eat the smallest amount possible without just, it was just to give my digestive system. It wasn't a calorie thing. It was like what is the hurts. slightest, smallest option I can possibly choose because I, yeah, yeah. I'm in pain yeah. and no one is listening to me and I'm like in a bed, not allowed, on being watched like 24-7, can't go anywhere. I've got no power. Yeah. And I'm sure that if anyone who's listening, that's, I'm, I'm sure like, anyone who's um had been had, through, been through that like is just having a complete nodgasm right yeah. now going oh my god someone's actually saying it yeah um because i think sometimes too there's probably hesitance hesitancy is that a word yeah yeah yes. to ahead. um have a go at the treatment because it's so serious and taboo and we can't talk about mm. it and people like well that it's always like I think all the people involved, all the nurses, the dietitians, the doctors, they all know it's a brutal treatment and they know that it never makes anyone feel good and it usually makes things worse before it gets better. But it's sort of just the, the take up, the, um, 
the given thing that oh that's just what we need to do though like because they need to at that point it's crisis and they need to save their life but in terms of a treatment that goes on to actually heal the person who has if they do have a primary um, yeah to understand that while their gut needs healing and they need nourishing foods and they need things slowly like they need to and they need their emotions nourished and they need their um what am I trying to say emotions and social stuff and physical like they need all of that nurturing while all of that other feeding is taking place and they need to be told that it's like again it's a physical thing you haven't done this to yourself and even if you have like to look at how can we make life better for you because you wouldn't have done this for you you didn't set out to make life worse yeah. So, you know, it's it's more than that. So I, I guess yeah. we're getting a bit off topic in terms of... No, but I think we're, very, we're right? on point on topic. Okay. We're saying this is what needs to happen. It yeah. needs to be this holistic approach, not yeah, just like okay. we'll fatten you up, try and keep you out of hospital. But, you know, you'll pr- like some of the attitude wasn't not with um, me, but there was another girl that also had anorexia, but she, like, she pulled her tube out all the time and like all, all this stuff and she wouldn't eat anything and all of that. Like I was like the good girl on the ward, really. Mm. It was really sad. And added, some of the nurses were lovely with her and some of the attitudes from others were like, oh, she'll be back. She'll be back mm, tonight. That's right. And, you know, it's just it wasn't. And it's not a pleasant thing for family members to watch someone they love go through that either. No, so you, there needs to be that holistic and that empathy and, and the non-judgment. Working together. Otherwise, it's like yeah. we are all working against the patient. Yeah. That's how it felt. It did. Yeah. It, yeah, absolutely. So it took a lot for us to get back on track and start working together as a team, didn't it? Mm, yeah. Absolutely. So I've come up with a little checklist. Oh, I love um, checklists. I know because we've sort of – I think we've talked enough about okay. giving people an idea that it can – like and it can come from anywhere and we just need to talk about it and we need to like do our own little case take at home with our families or a loved one and go what are all the pieces of my puzzle before it gets too big um or even if it has gotten quite big I think still going back and going well this happened and you know I I am actually I am on this medication for this or you know, I, I, like my skin's really dry, which like could be, you know, fatty acid, acid deficiency. So then brain biochemistry not working, like mm, okay. all of that. So there but you don't to be, have to know all of that. No, you don't. Because I don't. That's No, me. you don't. Absolutely. But <laughs> I'm just giving examples, like just thinking nothing's off the table. If there's some sort of strange symptom or yeah. something, you need to get that all out. But um, I've come up with a checklist because prevention and proactivity is key. Yep. So I've come up with several areas of life and generally if each one of these areas of your life is going well mm-hmm. it would be very difficult to get an eating disorder even if you have going through a bit of a rough patch even if you um you know you're feeling a bit self-conscious about your body mm. if these areas are all taken care of you're probably not going to slip into that next stage of starvation or eating, eating disorder. disorder depression anxiety that so sort of look for picture. something else Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, gut function. We always start with the gut. Oh, she um, so, yeah. if you haven't listened to episodes six and seven, which were our gut episodes, I after this episode, I really recommend you go back. Um, so, get, looking at gut function, the sort of things you're looking for is how's your digestion? Like, do you feel fine after you eat, or are you bloated? Do, are you gassy? How's your stool frequencies? Do you go to the toilet at least once a day? Is it a good, healthy bowel movement? You know, a nice 
plentiful long brown sausage, <laughs> you know, as opposed to little rabbit, you rabbit pellets that are like here. <laughs> I'm seeing them. It's like you've got plasticine. You're making all of these poos. I get very excited oh, when I, I talk about you poo. Do. Okay. Um, but you know, yeah, like, and does it feel complete, mm. or is it little rubber pellets and you're straining, or um, you know, is it diarrhea? Is it just like liquid? Mm. Um, you know, have you has your appetite changed? Are you ravenous, or are you like just never? hungry you're not actively trying to starve yourself but you're just not hungry could be because you're constipated it's like well I haven't Mm. the last meal hasn't come out so I'm not ready for the next one so that's all sort of your gut function um if that is all fine then you move on food intake so am I eating um sorry we talk about the gut because if the gut isn't functioning properly that can affect hormone production that can affect neurotransmitter production Mm. and then that can lead to the irrational thoughts and the depression anxiety that often leads to anorexia that's why we're looking at the gut there food intake so are you do you have a whole foods diet lots of fruits and vegetables and you know nuts seeds fish those sorts of things or is it quite high refined processed foods so you know, um, things out of a sh- packet. Things out of a packet. White bread, packet like um, sugary breakfast cereals, cakes, biscuits, crackers, all those sorts of things. Um, you know, or are you on a special sort of diet, such as a vegetarian diet or a vegan diet? Which so it's not necessarily full of processed food. Maybe it's really healthy, but you're not necessarily maybe getting enough B12, or you're not getting enough zinc, or you're not getting enough iron, or protein mm-hmm. or fatty acids or something there because again like we are made up of the foods we eat and every physiological pathway in the body requires nutrients so if you're not getting the nutri- nutrients you're going to get malnourished and again that can lead to mm-hmm. anorexia yeah something we talked about in the intro sunlight exposure so vitamin d um your skin makes vitamin D when you go out in the sun. So, and vitamin D is actually a hormone and it can regulate a lot of things in the body. Um, it's often implicated low vitamin D levels in depression and depression can lead to anorexia. So you'd be looking for that. Um, sleep. We all know that we don't feel good when we don't mm. sleep enough. Um, and how regular it is, you know, it's not just enough necessarily to barely sleep during the week and go, oh, it's okay because I sleep in on the weekends. Like it has to be that consistent each you sleep getting enough sleep each night or most nights for each day mm-hmm. um because otherwise we know how that can affect our hormones it can affect our energy levels we can feel lethargic mm. and it can um mean it and it could also be a secondary thing like then we've got down here exercise because we know when we exercise we trigger a whole lot of endorphins to be produced so we feel better about ourselves so even little things like you know, you're not feeling fantastic about your body, but you go do a workout and all of a sudden you do feel good about your body. Mm. Nothing's changed except for the fact you've got all these endorphins and you're like, I feel really proud of myself for doing that. And again, if you don't have enough sleep, you probably won't have the energy to exercise. exercise you know, if you don't yeah. sleep enough, you might not crave healthy foods. You might crave the quicker, easier, refined options. Um, relationships. That, and that doesn't have to mean that you've got, you know, a massive group of friends at school, but have you got good quality relationships in your life? Do you feel like someone has your back? There's someone you can go talk to, mm-hmm. even if that you're just really close close with a cousin or your parents or your grandparents. Like, is, are there people in your life that you're not, basically you feel you're not alone? Mm-hmm. Um, and do you have a hobby slash purpose? You know, are you, is there a sport you really love or a musical instrument or do you love writing um, is there a subject at school that you just throw yourself into? You know, do you feel like you've got a purpose each day and that you achieve stuff? Mm. Um, so if you've got, you know, your gut's right, your food's good, you go out in the sun, you're getting enough sleep, you're exercising, 
you're happy with your relationships and you feel loved and supported and you've got good direction in life, generally your life is too full of nutrition and movement (laughs) and socializing and kicking goals that even if you something happens and you get a bit stressed about it or even if something happens and you feel a bit down or even, you know, you do one of those class weigh-ins in PA at school and you realize you're on the heavier side, Mm. your life's too full for you to get obsessed or caught up with that sort of stuff. Mm. Yeah. Um, You're able to put it in perspective. You are able to put it in perspective because you're healthy, you're nourished, there's no, no emptiness in your life basically yeah and you feel like you've got enough control I suppose in parts of your yeah life. absolutely so I think because yeah. that can be another thing that um you know anorexia in a way is a way of having control it's like I can't control anything else in my life I can control my food intake mm. so yeah yeah it's good to have those things in in check and you know really most of us aren't fulfilling each point on this checklist every day mm. um which means that if we start to notice some of those symptoms creeping up, there's some of those mental illness symptoms, it's great to have that checklist and go back and go instead of like worrying about yourself and realizing that mental illness is a physical illness. So mm-hmm. if you go, instead of going, oh, my God, I'm getting depression, oh, my God, I'm getting anorexia, oh, my God, I'm going to have this for the rest of my life, going, hang on, I haven't been to the toilet for a few days or <laughs> hang on, I... I've been studying so much. I haven't been outside really properly, and it is winter, so even though I've been out a little bit, I probably hasn't been enough. Or mm. yeah, I actually haven't moved my body much over the past few days. Or I've been really stressed. I haven't been eating properly, and and then so that it doesn't mean that it's you're going to feel better straight away, but it might mean that you pay more attention to those areas, and in a week's yeah. time, you're like, oh, I feel so much better. And if you don't feel so much better, then talk about it, investigate it, think about it more, what could be going on, talk to other people, don't shut it down and keep going because then in several months' time you could be at rock bottom. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to get away from Mm. because rock bottom is really hard to get away from. Yes. Yes. So. Be proud. Something that you were going to talk to us about before we do our wrap-up and our take-home messages from the episode um, is like the spectrum that – you know, we, we all to a degree experience what is considered mental illness, you know, from time to time. Well, because mental illness is really just about like something, well, not, this is too simplistic, not mental illness, but, you know, like life is full of, we're all very much the same. And thing, we have the same basic human needs. We've talked about that before. And we have to make sure that we're fulfilling those if we're going to be healthy, happy people. And so your checklist is good. And in that you're looking at a whole range, you're looking at that holistic view again. But it's, sometimes it's very easy to get hung up because we hear about mental illness and it's almost become a norm because, unfortunately, most of us know someone who's been through something in along that mental illness path or is related to someone or and that didn't used to be the case. So I think sometimes it can just become too normal and um, to too normally in that it's happening too frequently. So if we look too at common. Our, too common, yeah. So it's so like all of us have down days where you know thing that we our mood might be slightly depressed. Does it mean that we've got depression? Not necessarily, because you can't have highs without lows. You can't have lows without highs. You don't. You have to have that balance. And we were just talking about um, anxiety as well, and how anxiety is a normal reaction to things that are happening around us whereas we hear that word anxiety battered around a lot like oh I've got anxiety so what does that mean you know like all of us 
should be anxious at some stage because we're reacting to something that is actually mm. making us anxious. I've and got an exam tomorrow. Oh, oh so oh my god, I'm going to need counselling around if, that. I know, like if you weren't anxious, it probably means you don't care about that subject. Yeah, like. that's right. So it can be a good thing. Yes, you have to keep it in check, thinking of checklists, but to know that everyone experiences all of those different emotions at different times of their lives. But to look for what's the cause of this, not to panic, mm. like feeling sad. I just feel a lot in schools that we throw counselling every which way but loose, like, you know, something something sad or something overwhelming happens and it's really good to talk about it. But, you know, I expect if I've got a child in my class, whether it be a young child or a teenager or whoever or a friend, if they've had someone die recently and who's been close to them, do you know, it would be quite unusual for them at some point not to be sad and grieving and for that not to go away instantly because if, if say, for your grandma or, you know, something like someone really close, if they've been a big part of your life for a long time, you're going to miss them for a long time. So it's not like, oh, that was six weeks ago. I should be over it. So I must there must be something wrong with me. It's like, no, but you have to go through their first birthday and they're not there you know, the next birthday they have. Christmas, it's not the same because grandma's not here. Easter, my birthday, a wedding in the family, a, a christening, a new birth. Mm. Like it doesn't go away. That that um, hole doesn't ever get filled. But we do learn to go, I'm so lucky I had that person in my life for so long and we mm. need to talk about it. But do does everything have to, I guess it goes back to that clinical approach. Mm. Does everything need to, to be, be a diagnosis, diagnosis and therefore need some um, clinical or professional intervention or can we just talk about things? Mm. So I just guess I wanted on the checklist to also go, it, it could almost become obsessive about a checklist, but you're saying... It's just, just it's just during the living. Yeah. I called the checklist, but these Not are just. Do I like that? But yeah. I just meant checklists can also have clinical connotations. And this so isn't a clinical one. No. This is, I mean, as a nutritionist, it's something like I think about when I'm in clinic, I will use something yeah. like this. But it's just, it's all the areas you need ticked off in your life to live a full, You're happy, right. healthy life. It's like I've just happened to put it into a checklist like many people before yeah. me have. And it's good. And I think, um, too, something else I was going to say, sorry yeah. about that um, spectrum of behaviors. Do you know, like, I I don't consider that I have any sort of eating disorders, but there are days where I just have fat days, you know, where I put something on it's like, whoa, you know, I don't feel right in this today. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm being overcritical of my body and I suddenly hate my body and therefore I've got to go to the gym that night and I've got to work it all out. It's like on different days, for whatever reason, hormones, like you said, sleep, mm. something's not making me be able to pull off this outfit so I have to pull off the outfit, find something that does make me feel good because I know from past experience because I keep going through it that, you know, later in the week or next week, I'm going to put that on and it's like, God, I don't even know what I was thinking last week. So a lot of the way we feel about our bodies can be how confident we're feeling or have some hormonal basis or an mm. external basis. And basically we that's who we are. Humans are always comparing and feeling we're feeling living human beings so even if you are feeling like oh my god I have too many fat days like just to go it's normal just want you to know everyone has those fat days some days they might have skinny days some days they might have tired days oh my god what do I have Rachel mm -hmm. I have 
aged days where I go, oh, how did I get so haggard? Oh, my God. Mm. Or pale days. You're like, I'm so pasty. Yeah. And then it's the next day. You haven't tanned at all, but you're like, I've got a bit of bronze. It's yeah. All good. I don't like my hair today. And then the next day, my teeth God, are, it's on point. My teeth are so yellow. The next day, my teeth are so white. Like, it's just. So that's the spectrum mm. of behaviors and emotions and everything that are quite normal. And yeah. I don't think we often talk about them as normal. normal. It's like, oh, are you. And it's because it's taboo and we want to be sensitive. And I think it's fantastic that. Um, there's less stigma now around mental illness. So, oh, so do no, I. But I think it's almost gone too far to the point where it's so common that, yeah, we've forgotten that it's okay to feel depressed sometimes. It's okay to feel anxious sometimes. It's okay to have fat days. So, you know, it's, and it's actually okay if you have a fat day and you go, whoa, I actually think I have stacked on a few kilos. It's okay yeah. to not to starve yourself but to, to start eating healthier, to exercise that little bit more at the gym. But then when you've lost – that weight it doesn't just keep going and going that's okay I think there's almost to a knee-jerk reaction in society now where it's like there's almost a push not with sometimes especially teenage girls not to put too much emphasis on healthy eating so it's like we don't want them to get anorexia yes or we don't want to push exercise too much because what if they do it obsessively and that's anorexia it's like you know there is it's okay yeah. to actually take action steps. It's just when you take them too far. Yes, yeah. So be also being kind to yourself, isn't yeah. it? And have, you know, having perspective, trying to make sure you keep perspective. That's what mm, this is all absolutely. about. Absolutely, and keep talking all the yes. time. You're just like with your friend going, Do you know, like, is this normal? Like I, Yeah. And it doesn't have to be health-related. It could just be a thought. You're like, have you ever thought about this? Hmm. And sometimes they'll be like, no. But a lot of the time they'll be like, I do that all the time. And it's like, I thought that was only me. And there's not enough of that, I don't think. We're always like, that's weird. That's not normal. That's strange. That's quirky. I'll just shut up. It's probably just me. It's never just you. No, it's You're not not that special. (laughs) I'm kidding. You are special, but you know what I mean. That's right. (laughs) So, um... Yeah, we got to the end. Okay, so it's just the take-homes. Right, so men, um, this is going to sound a bit like I'm reading off a list because I am oh, reading, reading off a list. Because <laughs> I'm aware that we've gone over time and Sorry. I really want you to be able to just do this one okay. listening session so that you're not breaking it up and never coming back to it because I think this episode is really important. Oh, I hope so. I hope so too. Yeah. Um, so mental illnesses, including anorexia, are actually physical in nature and this needs to be embraced and understood. The most useful thing we can do to help those we are worried about to, um, is to be available to talk about how they feel without the threat of seeking professional help, and I say professional help in like quotation marks, or discussing their weight necessarily. Going through the checklist discussed can be useful. This might be an aha. The individual might realize that, wow, yeah, I barely ever go outside or I've been so stressed about school or obsessed with sporting commitments that I've been isolated from my friends and wearing myself out. The best action we can take is to search for the root cause and heal that first. Restricting exercise, which means restricting endorphin production, prescribing a high-calorie meal plan that has potential to harm the digestive system due to the quantity and quality of foods involved, and making the psychological treatment food and body image-based will likely just make matters worse. Have sensitivity. Let's stop using phrases like such as anorexic as an adjective for skinny people and stop thinking that then people just need to get over themselves and eat a cheeseburger. <laughs> As I've had people also tactfully say to me in the past, oh, eat a cheeseburger. Mm. Mm. Just because a person is thin, um, it doesn't mean that they are intentionally starving themselves. Let's just be empathetic and look for alternative explanations. Thyroid issues, gastrointestinal diseases, you know, not to be dramatic, but cancer can cause weight loss, can cause reduced appetite, can 
mess with a whole lot of hormones and cause depression and how awful would it be if someone was getting treated for anorexia whilst cancer was going under the radar. You know, all of these can cause symptoms of anorexia and these need to be explored and ruled out before we shove a feeding tube down someone's throat and tell them repeatedly that they aren't fat and that it's all in their head. So, Mum, is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I think I know that, that those take-home messages, I was the one who said to you, go to put some take-home messages in because I love I love take-home messages and I'm glad I've written them down because normally then I start to do the take-homes and it ends yeah. up in another 15-minute discussion. So I, I want everyone who's listening to it to listen to that again and then to repeat it with expression because you didn't have time to because I raved on too much within the podcast that made you rush your take-home messages because it wasn't usually lovely, bubbly voice. It was really good message but I think they might need to listen to that again. I was a bit again. stressed because there's something on the stove that was almost boiling and over. I had to run over and, and switch it down. But it's all okay now. It's okay. But I think it was good because instead of me elaborating, I just did the doc. No, it could And now we can go back and listen. And, listen and to it's them. like, because we've already done our race. Okay, no, again. Otherwise, we just rave too much. I do know that. Okay. Okay, I'm stopping. Alrighty. So please, everyone, could you, I know I say this every week, but I really mean it this week. Could you please share this episode around? Because I think it's a really important one. I think that well, hopefully it'll open up discussion. And you know what? If there's nothing to discuss and there's no problems, you know, great. That's fantastic. But, but if, I there, if it that. uncovers something and if it allows families to actually talk about, like you love to, about bodily functions. Oh, yeah. But, you know, to share, like, well, what is normal in our household? Mm. And then, like, you might even want to ask others. You know, that'll be an interesting dinner party. Um, but also be to be able to party. talk about food and weight. You know, when you can't have that discussion in your family, I think that's even a warning sign that something's wrong because, yes, it's a personal thing, mm. but, you know, each of us should be able to share yeah, and then have some questions asked in a really supportive manner. I think just, yeah, the non-judgment, yeah. not being like, well, why, are, why aren't you eating enough or yeah. why have you why, – well, why are you eating so much? You know, it goes, it goes with both Yeah, sorry, it, it does. Like, or, and, you know, going, oh, you've gone – you're looking really – like you used to say to me and it used to really – yeah. yeah. Oh, Rach, you're looking so thin. It's like, I fucking know. <gasps> you know? Yeah, but but it was know. just like, and it was like, I don't want to talk about it because you just think I'm starving myself and I'm not. And so it was really hard to get past. Yeah. And it, the, past that emotion and, and to actually, no, it wasn't just emotion, it was a barrier. It was a barrier. And like, yeah. And it was there for protection. I think it always, the barrier goes up for protection. If we could find a way to make people that feel vulnerable not feel like we're attacking them yeah or that we're going to make them change we're going to drag them kicking and screaming into a professional's office and take all their power away no. we just want to let we, we just want to open things up we for them to take care yeah that's all and we yeah we don't want to force them to do anything no that has to be like we want them to be a healthy except we do sorry yeah please share it around um anyone you think might find it useful um you can, if you've got any feedback on this episode mm, or it's really hit, hit ho- close to home or raised some issues with you, please leave a comment on the Facebook page. If it's something a bit longer and a bit more personal that you want to reach out for me and say, just send me a private message through the Facebook page. And thank you so much for listening. And, yeah, we hope that this has really opened up your mind to something you may have never thought about before. Mm. And go and have a good chin wag. Go have family. a good chin wag. Talk about your poo, all that good <laughs> stuff. Um, and have a laugh. Yeah, have a low. Loves are good. And yeah. endorphins. Oh, can't beat them. No. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll catch you in a fortnight's time. Take care until then. Bye, guys.
This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.